Hey, it's Rich here. Just wanted to jump in before we start our episode and let you know that our friends at YouVersion are celebrating 500 million downloads of the Bible app. I don't know about you, but I think that is so, so crazy, ridiculous, and something worth celebrating. So we thought we'd jump into our archives and bring you an episode, an interview with Bobby Grinwald. It was a great conversation that he and I had. If you haven't heard it, I think you'll enjoy this one. And if you have, there's lots to revisit and to um, to to recontemplate and think on. So, I uh, hope you enjoy this and let's celebrate with our friends at Uversion. Hey, this is Rich. This is Cass. This is Jacob. This is Luke. Yes, it's so Salut, si Jonathan, merci. Welcome to the Hillsong Creative Micropod. Well, hello, and welcome to the Hillsong Creative Micropod. I'm Cass Langton, and I am taking the introduction, Rich. Thank you, Cass. Yeah, welcome, everybody. It's so good that you joined us yet again. Um, Cass, as you've been, if you've been listening for the last little while, Cass has been uh, teasing me about my my intro, but that's okay, because here we are. Hey, um, Cass, today we've got Bobby Grunwald on the Which I am podcast. so excited about, Rich. He is the founder of Uversion. Yeah. And we had the incredible privilege of meeting him when we were in Oklahoma a little while ago. Yeah. Yeah, so I had a great conversation with him. It's all about innovation, all about starting new things. And I guess, you know, if you read the Uversion uh, you know, if you've got the Bible app on your phone, um, then you probably just take it for granted that it's just there and it just happens. But there's a whole team, as it turns out, that uh, work on the app, that, that are developing it, that continue to push it forward. And their vision for it is incredible. Um, right. What God has done through Bobby's life and through this idea of creating an app is is actually incredible. And so I hope that as you're listening, you find it inspirational and encouraging because who knows, maybe you've got an idea uh, brewing, you've got some something that God's put in your heart to do, and maybe, the, maybe just maybe this will give you a little bit of inspiration to move it forward. So Cass, we're going to jump into it. Hey, one last thing before we do that though. If you have been listening for a while but you're not yet subscribed, let me encourage you to hit that subscribe button to the podcast so that you um, get notified of the podcast, but so that you can be a part of the community that we're trying to build here. Um, a community where we encourage each other around our faith and around uh, our creativity and how they intersect. Um, so do that so you don't miss anything and let's jump into it, hey? Sounds great. Hey everybody, it's Rich Langton here and I'm sitting with Bobby Grinwald uh, here at Life Church. and I was going to welcome you to the podcast, but I'm in your part of the world, so welcome. <laughs> welcome here. Yeah, We're no, glad to have you here, Rich, for it's, sure. It's great. Uh, this is I've been really excited about chatting to you, um, I guess, the, the very first day that the um, iPhone came out. Um, back in the day, I had... Um, I had a little mobile phone store, and so I was, I was uh, cool. well onto the iPhone, and therefore knew when the um, app store was happening. I knew um, about the apps that were coming out, and I downloaded the Bible app that for, like as soon as it came out. Wow! And um, so I had this long history with this app, and and over that time, um, gotten to know that it's you know Life Church, and it's and it's yeah. yourself is kind of behind it. You actually had it before I did. Really? Because I didn't have an iPhone when okay. the App Store came out. Yeah, right. <laughs> as crazy as it sounds. Yeah. So we developed an app that I couldn't actually download on my phone. That's amazing. Um, but so before we get to that, because that's obviously a momentous thing and there's lots to talk about there, uh, I feel like we have another thing in common. Um, 
So I, as I understand it, in college, you ran an internet, like a web hosting business. Uh-huh. That was Correct. your foray into entrepreneurship? Yes, that was my first official, like, I'm an entrepreneur, my first business. Yeah, that was, uh, I had a web hosting company about the same time. Really? Yeah, so I feel like we were probably competitors. Back, so what back year was that? Like 1996, seven. Okay. And on. Yeah, we, we started the web hosting company in 96. Yeah, right. In like the spring of 96. Uh-huh. So take us back there. You were in college uh-huh. And not studying internet development or anything. No, no. I, my my um, degree is actually in finance, so I kind of thought I thought that I was going to be an investment banker. Um, I, for whatever reason, I've had interest in finance and investing, and um, so I was on that track, doing internships mm-hmm. and at brokerage companies and. And God had another plan. I was working at a car dealership in the back office, just making $6 an hour for uh, date money back when I was in college. (laughs) And bored, I was bored out of my mind because there was just nothing to do. Like I'd get done with the work and you're just sitting there watching the clock tick. And and, uh, so I started listening in on conversations and this is in 1995, a group came in to the car dealership pitching the owner of the dealership on a website. Mm for the car dealership. And back then, it's hard for people today to really understand it, but in 1995, it was so early yeah. on the internet that the notion of a car dealership selling cars on the internet was just like a far-fetched you know, yeah. concept. There weren't people thinking about that. Mm. But they were pitching the website for $2,200. And so I went up to the owner after the meeting mm. and said, if you'll let me build a website for you, I'll do it for $100. Wow. And he he agreed, yeah. um, partly because he had nothing to lose, really. Yeah. The problem was I had absolutely no idea how to build a website. Uh-huh. Like, I'd never built a website before. There's right. no books on it. Uh-huh. Um, there were no websites on how to build websites back in 1995. Yeah. It was just... Yeah, you couldn't Google it. No, there was right. nothing... Uh, available, so I had to find some friends that knew a little bit more. They were kind of in like that dark internet underground, you know, world yeah. back then. And uh, so they pointed me a couple places, and I built a website, and it was fine. It did everything that the group from California was proposing. Mm-hmm. However, I said, you know, you're re- the opportunity to sell cars is just not there back then. But I do think you could sell parts and accessories. Yeah, right. and so. I saw the margins and the markups and all that that they had on that. So we started a website called hondaparts.com. Uh-huh. And within a few months, it grew to hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in yeah, wow. sales yeah. to people all over, actually all over the world, mostly in the United States, where they were shipping parts and accessories. And the owner of the car dealership, who's a believer, um, a Christian, he brought me in to his office and said, what do you want to do in life? And before I even had a chance to answer, he said, whatever it is that you're going to do, I want to invest in it. Wow. And that was one of those moments where I really, at the time, wasn't expecting it at all, but I felt like God was doing something that I didn't didn't anticipate. Um, this is a kind of a theme in my life mm-hmm. where I kind of expect I'm going one direction and then God provides this moment, this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like this was one of those moments and thought about it, prayed about it, and came back to him and just said that that I, I'd love to do that. Mm-hmm. 
but now I had to have an idea. I had an, inv- I had an investor before I had an idea. Right. And the idea was to start a web hosting company. Mm-hmm. And that was the first business which led me into that. So I had a different track I was on, but that's actually how I became an entrepreneur right. was, was through that path. So did you finish your course? Or? I did. Um, it was a difficult, like starting the business while you're full-time. And mm-hmm. I was like almost even more than a full-time student because I was trying to get done quickly. Right. Um, was it was a challenge. I mean, sleep was pretty well non-existent, yeah. and that was just kind of what you thought life was back then. Uh-huh. Uh, you could operate off of two hours or yeah. you know, three hours of sleep. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and we learned so much. I mean, I brought together a whole group of people from both the business department, computer science department. I, I went and brought a bunch of partners on to come start this yeah. company with mm-hmm. me. And uh, I don't know, just incredible experience. But mm-hmm. yeah, I did finish um, the degree, graduated in 1997. So by the time we started the company and all that, I had about a full year of school left, mm-hmm. a little bit more than a full year. Yeah. And um, so it was just a really difficult year, but it, we got through it. Yeah. Did you grow up in a Christian family? I did grow up in a Christian family. Um, and our family always attended church. So we were... Um, sort of by force when we were little, you know, <laughs> always at all the church activities. So that was a blessing. However, I was I was not a believer mm-hmm. until just before I entered high school, which would be like ninth grade year here in the U.S. Right. Um, it was one of those things where I attended church, but I was not a Christ follower, pretty evident in like my relationships and right. just who I was yeah. in school. Um, but it was a pretty radical transformation when that moment happened or when it came to that point because I came into high school as a completely different set of priorities, different person. Right. And, um, you know, one of the first things I wanted to do is try to reach my friends. Yeah. And all of them listened to rap music. Uh-huh. So I just thought maybe I should write a rap song. <laughs> that's actually <laughs> that's awesome. That's actually how it started. And again, had no no experience writing a rap song. Yeah. No, I was not a rapper. And we're talking eighties, uh, nineties, nineteen ninety, maybe eighty nine, ninety in that so time frame. What are you writing on? Um, like meaning, like what type of equipment? Technology. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. technology. Well, I had nothing, you know, back then. I, as far as I was writing lyrics, is right. what I was writing initially, and then um, started <laughs> rapping it at different. I mean, I did it for a few people, and then they wanted me to do it at different events. Wow. Um, and uh, you know, and that and that turned into a five year, essentially, kind of mini career of being a Christian rapper, where we. He had a band, traveled all over really? the U.S. Oh, yeah. We yeah. did this for, for years. And um, it just started as a, how do I reach, reach my friends? friends? And God has these kind of surprising twists in my life of things that just completely seem unexpected, yeah. um, very different. And he uses them in ways you just yeah. didn't anticipate. Right. Because, so, um, <laughs> you're... you're- a rapper, yeah. and, then, and then in college you start this web hosting business, and then I think I mean I, I only know the the big sort of milestones of your life, yeah. but you had a pro wrestling website yeah. sometime after that. That was right after the web hosting company. We sold it, and then the next business I started was um, we acquired the largest professional wrestling website, right? Which is it's I mean again it. it it doesn't get more eclectic than this, I don't uh-huh. think, but it's definitely, uh, it's everything you would think that would be. Yeah. Um, it was an online community of people that 
love pro wrestling and um, they would read the news and any kind of information about the storylines, about the the real storylines, the the fake storylines, right. all that stuff. And uh, they would tune in every day. Um, had a whole team of writers. We had a, a game, um, like an online wrestling okay. game you could yeah. play and and subscribe to. And the goal was to grow that, and then we, which we did. Um, and then we ended up selling it to a much larger company mm-hmm. uh, in December of 1999. And yeah. that was kind of the the business. Right. So your path with the rap and the hosting and and your university degree and the wrestling, like you said, it's pretty eclectic. Right. Were you? Was it more about the opportunities and, and the doors God was opening to you, or how did you, how did you navigate that? Yeah, path? I mean, everything was obviously a step by step process, and it's not that I sort of pursued every opportunity that was in front of me as much as tried to have discernment for when God was leading me in a direction, um, and when I felt like it was Him, I'm kind of an all in guy right. when it comes to like the decisions I make, uh-huh. um, and at the time I didn't know how they. F- how they fit together. I wasn't even trying to fit them together, mm-hmm. you know, quite honestly. Right. I was more like, this is what I believe God wants me to do right now. Mm. Um, and I'm going to step into it yeah. with confidence that he kind of has a plan for that. Now, looking back on it, uh, it's really interesting, but each of those experiences, if, if you went through and I had time, you would see how each of those things really shaped the ideas and ideas that we do here today at the church. Mm. And, um, and it's almost like there's no way I would have ever been able to to kind of gain the the uniqueness of all those things. I mean, like they all fit together in such an important way yeah. to sort of shape the things that God does, at least through me mm-hmm. um, today, mm-hmm. that, um, that I'm really proud of every one of them. I mean, yeah. there's moments in each of them that you kind of wish, uh, or I kind of wish that didn't happen or uh-huh. would have made a different decision, but... But the the truth is, I really feel like the the way that was all written, you know, God used the good and the bad mm-hmm. of each of those journeys mm-hmm. to really shape who I am today. Yeah. At the time, with all of those things, did you have any sort of insecurity about going into a direction that you hadn't didn't have experience in? Yeah. So I think yes, I did have um, did have definitely insecurities. Mm. Um, my personality type is one where I'm very comfortable with the blank slate. Right. You know, that's just kind of, you know, ideas are sort of the fruit that God's designed me to produce. Mm. And I'm okay with having ideas where the the slate's completely blank. Uh-huh. And there's some people I think that are really good at generating ideas when there's a bit of the picture there and they can really add value. Yeah. There's other people that are kind of more like blank slate type people, but mm-hmm. they they both need each other. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm kind of that blank slate person. So I have a, a certain level of comfort, uh-huh. you know, just sort of diving into new, yeah. almost a preference in some ways, mm-hmm. you know, for it. But um, but at the same time, you you have these you know insecurities that sort of uh, probably the best way to describe it was when I sold the second company. Um, it was a bigger deal than I had ever anticipated that I would be involved in. Mm. I mean, I didn't set out to 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 do that. It's just kind of the way God directed it happened. But I remember driving home, and um, and I my it was late in the night, two in the morning, and I had I literally had a large check in my hand yeah. from the first sort of installment of the sale of the company, largest check I'd ever had, ever deposited. You know, I showed it to my wife, thinking you know, she'd be really proud of me. And she looks at it, and yeah. she's like, "Well, great job." She's like, "But now, what are you going to do?" Right, like. Kind of like you don't have a job, mm-hmm. 
And I'm thinking, what do you mean I don't have a job? I don't really, it doesn't matter that I don't have a job right now. Look, you know, we're okay, but I'm not, I'm not thinking about that. But then after she said it, you know, I started thinking, I was like, what, what am I going to do? And then could I, could I do that again? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like I started having a lot of doubt as to whether or not, is that just sort of like a one hit wonder Mm -hmm. type thing? Or is that just a, is it repeatable Mm -hmm. or what people's expectation of me is higher now? Right. Can I meet it? Yeah. You know, and you start thinking about what others think. I mean, all the same types of ways, I think, as human beings, these insecurities that come into play. Mm. Um, when you create something or do something that has significant impact beyond what you expected, mm. it's like the bar of people's expectations of the next thing that you create mm-hmm. just went went up. Yeah. And so the baseline's higher. Mm-hmm. The I had the advantage of no one expecting much mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know, right. before. Is that so? So I think those things are natural, mm-hmm. and I've definitely had those types of insecurities. Um, um, and I never felt com- I never felt like I could do the things. Like I didn't feel like I could be a rapper. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> yeah. feel like I, I mean I didn't know how to build a website. Yeah. Um, but God had done enough things, you know, over the course of time to show me that it wasn't about what I could do, but more about what He wanted to do through me. Mm that I had a a building confidence that if it was him, Mm. I didn't have anything to worry about. Yeah. So then you, um, from there, you sold the company. What did you do that next day? It's it's gone. (laughs) You wake up in the morning, your wife's wondering, you know, why you're not going to go to work. She was like, yeah, she's kind of like, yeah, exactly. She's wanting to know when I'm going to go out there and get a paycheck of any amount. doesn't matter what, you know, what it would be. She just wants to know that I'm like employed. Yes. Um, Well, you know, I... I did um, a little, I, I spent a few weeks um, actually going and researching what I wanted to do next. Uh-huh. So I took some time, I traveled out to Silicon Valley, down to Austin, some different areas that had, were like technology hubs, mm-hmm. and I just met with interesting people. Mm. So I managed to get in the door at several of them and just right. talk about technologies I was interested in. I just an exploration time. We did some, my business partner and I, we did some consulting work. Um, just that gave us sort of a, we set an office up and gave us like a place right. to go and mm-hmm. we pretended like we <laughs> were working. be out of the house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Um, so I did that for for a short period of time. And I will say my wife was a little bit concerned, you yeah. know, not not about uh, the financial resources that we had or didn't have because we, we had resources, but more so just like, you know, is my is my husband gonna is he gonna be engaged? You know, with yeah. something or is uh-huh. it this kind of is this like a really life change for the rest of our lives? Yes. Like, what's it look like? Yeah, because um, she's been very career oriented, and she was during this whole time she she was going to work right. you know, yeah. every day, um, not because she had to, but because she wanted to, mm. and um, so that's what it looked like in the short run. But it, you know, fortunately, right around that same time, shortly after. Uh, a newspaper article appeared with my picture in it um, about the sale of the company. And that is what led the executive pastor of our church to um, reach out. Mm -hmm. He he was like, isn't that the guy that plays keyboard on the worship team? And I'd never talked about what I did in business in the church. Um, I just didn't think that, I mean, I didn't think that it was relevant. I mean, I just felt like, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. what I do for a living. And and I served in the church. I played keyboard as a volunteer in the worship team every weekend. I think six different services and plus practice because we needed a lot of practice back then. Yeah. And uh, and we would just, um, you know, I spent all weekend at the church and loved every bit of it. Mm. And that's where I served. And so the executive pastor went to lunch with me. And at the lunch, he 
asked me if I'd ever considered using these experiences with um, tech and mm. business in this inside the church, like yeah. in a role on staff. Mm. And I was like, no, I never considered it. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, would you consider it? Mm. And I said, no. Um, and I felt bad, but it was just such a spontaneous kind of in the moment question that yeah. I just did not respond. And I honestly loved my church so much that I thought if it became my job, mm -hmm that I might not might love it. Things. Yeah, it might yeah. change things. Right. It's kind of a selfish thing in retrospect, but in the moment, you know, it just mm. almost felt like I was doing something, uh, doing the church a favor by not doing that because right. I was thinking, I think I'd be better be able to better serve not on staff. Mm. But I did begin to volunteer in mm. other ways. I just had no idea that that even just thinking the way I thought about things had application. Yeah. And um, so I began to serve. It, be, it turned into 10 hours a week, then 20 then 30, and then 40. Right. So the real answer to what I did after I sold the company was I kind of ramped over time into a full-time volunteer <laughs> role at the church. Yeah. Um, but there in the immediate aftermath of it, I was planning to pursue another entrepreneurial venture. Yeah, right. It's interesting how obviously over that time, your thinking changed and and someone here at the church was able to see uh, a use for your skill set within the four walls of church. Um, yeah. But it'd be a pretty common sort of mindset that people, uh, many people I would meet would have that same mindset that the I'm a, a whatever it might be, I'm a programmer or I'm a business analyst or I'm a builder, that that couldn't possibly be used sure. by the church. But in fact, in, in modern society, in modern world, there's lots of opportunities. Definitely. And Obviously, yeah, things did did change inside of me over the course of the next year as I began to volunteer. I knew about a year later is one of those moments yet again in my life where I knew really clearly this is where God was calling me, yeah. what he was calling me to do, where right. he was calling me to be. And so once I know that, then it's really not a hard step at that point. Mm -hmm. And that was in 2001 when I made the, the step to come on staff. Mm -hmm. I honestly thought it might last 18 months. Right. Not because I was predicting it wouldn't work out, mm -hmm. but more so just thinking God's always kind of changed my journey right. so many times mm -hmm. that I just sort of thought this would be just another another step, another one of, step of it and there'll mm -hmm. be something different in the next. And of course it's been, you know, 18, 19 years, right. you know, now since then. So, you know, it's uh it's really been an incredible journey uh into your your point about people not recognizing that their skill set mm -hmm. can be is that's been probably the most eye-opening thing it's like god uses so many uniquely talented mm -hmm. very specialized yeah. um people in the context of the church sometimes on staff and sometimes not on staff but just simply through their contribution mm -hmm. you know as a volunteer mm -hmm. and what i always try to encourage people my my particular path that god called me to was to be on staff at a church mm -hmm. and doing what i do but there are people that are in the marketplace, in business, um, pursuing whatever it is with the gifts and the unique abilities that they have. And it is just as high of a calling as my calling mm -hmm. um, that that whatever it is that God has called you to is the highest calling. Mm -hmm. If God's called you yeah. to it, there's not a higher one, like right. somebody else doesn't have a leg up on you mm -hmm. um, over it. And, and no one should ever feel that way. Their, their focus should be like, am I pursuing exactly what God's called me to be? If that's a medical professional mm -hmm. or if that's, you know, someone that's a teacher or someone that feels called to um, raise their children, you know, at home mm -hmm. um, with a spouse that maybe works, 
whatever that is, um, if it's what God's called you to, that's what you should be doing yeah. and, and feel no sense of, of I'm less than or, or I'm more than, mm-hmm. you know, someone else because uh, it, it just it's about your sort of unique calling, unique purpose. And mm-hmm. that's what I want for everyone. It's what I feel like I have the benefit of today is I feel like I get to wake up every day and do exactly what it is that God created me to do. Yeah. And it's the very thing I like wish and hope for for every single person. Yeah, I love that. And what it is you do now is really oversee, well, you should tell us rather than me tell you. <laughs> well, you know how it's one of those things that over time, you know, it's been it's been a long journey, um, but a great one at the church. But over time, you kind of uh, end up doing things. And my job's very eclectic mm-hmm. today. Probably no surprise given my past is very eclectic, right. but uh, some of it's the nature of kind of the history of how things develop and grow mm-hmm. and and, and just other dynamics. So I don't necessarily think that our model or approach to how we structure things makes mm-hmm. sense for other churches because it's really shaped around the people and the right. unique attributes of, of, of the journey. But today, um, I oversee uh, a handful of leaders and areas of the church that um, um, represent, you know, probably about 270 of our staff, maybe mm-hmm. two, I'm not somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um, and it includes everything from all of our uh, creative, um, so our content um, development, curriculum development for whether it be children up through adults, um, uh, oversee all of our digital, um, we call it our Digerati team. So mm-hmm. it's everything from version, Church Online, our app and kind of team that works on interactive products for the church. Mm-hmm. Um, or see communications yeah. um, and public relations uh, uh, that includes social media and several you know other components to it, uh, and then oversee what we call our spaces and places team, which is uh, um, real estate, okay. um, wow. all of our facilities, construction, yeah. uh, design of our buildings, mm-hmm. the um, you know all there's a sort of whole several bunch of facets to it and i'm also the treasurer for the church (laughs) so it does i'm telling you it's eclectic but i serve on what's called our directional leadership team so there are um are four of us that form kind of the core core leadership team pastor craig myself and two others Mm -hmm. that form that team um and and we are responsible as a whole for for you know for leading the church so in that type of a role you don't you're not um Hyper specialized. I have, we have certainly specialists yeah. that lead all those teams. I'm mostly just focused on my leaders that I oversee and helping to develop them. And mm. um, and then, of course, externally, I represent the church, represent you version mm. at conferences and events. And those, I mean, there's some other facets to yeah. what I'm involved in besides um, just leading those and overseeing those teams. Yeah, it'd be wrong of us not to talk about you version for a little bit. That came about when you were in that season of first being on staff at church, right? Yeah, it's a little after actually. I came on in t- 2001 and the idea for Version came in the O'Hare Airport in Chicago in 2006, okay. so October of 2006. What, to kind of give a really short snapshot of the journey, when I came on staff, um, interestingly, my actual focus initially wasn't really heavily in technology. Right. Um, you know, my degree wasn't in technology, my experience was, mm-hmm. and but it was really just solving problems, whatever right. the problem was. We mm-hmm. were a small team back then. The church was growing quickly, but it was very much everyone were generalists. Everyone had to solve lots of problems. Right. So there were some initial technology problems, like IT-related problems that I was involved in. But then 
My first official title was new campus development leader. So the sort of zero to 60 mile an hour phase for uh, getting new locations, a whole strategy around how we start Mm -hmm. and do multi multiple locations as a church. I was involved at the very beginning of that. And Mm -hmm. then all of the first maybe seven campuses, I was kind of the, give me the blank slate, the city, let me figure out where we're going to meet, all the kind of initial details, which sort of fit the startup, you know, kind of vibe that I was... I did, but it was only, it was about five years in, in 2006, when I really began to feel like that that journey through tech and business um, had to have more specific of a, of a meaning to it, besides just put me in a position to have my face in the newspaper right. and, you mm-hmm. know, and, and lead to yeah. kind of the path, but rather the actual experiences, you know, God had a purpose for those. Mm-hmm. And so I began to really process that also begin to think a little bit about the world we live in and this this vision began to emerge for a church that would missionally use technology mm. kind of this moment in history that we're in mm. to to reach out to the world not just in the context of how do we grow our church mm. but in the context of like what what does the kingdom need to be created right. what should we be thinking about you know in terms mm-hmm. of use of these technologies and why should we let or wait for that to happen somewhere else? Why can't it come from within the church? Mm. And um, and so that sort of framework began to open up the possibility of just dreaming about bigger ideas or different mm. ideas, almost like gave us permission to. Yeah. And I had the blessing of our other leaders, which is a huge blessing that would have happened otherwise, right. you know, with Pastor Craig and and the team saying, okay, we kind of really believe in this and buy mm-hmm. into this. So, so now what? You right. know? And and so that year, 2006, was a really pivotal year for um, for some of these new ideas to be set in motion. Mm-hmm. So the three things that kind of most notable from that year were one, free resources, which mm-hmm. is where we um, we started the year with that decision mm-hmm. um, to give anything we have, any of our intellectual property away, we give away for free with mm-hmm. a license to other ministries. Yeah. Um, so that that launch is called Open. Um, open.life.church today is what the web address is for it, but it it's anything we have. Yeah. Um, it's a platform that even other churches, including Hillsong Network, uses yeah. and others. So um, so that started 2006. Church Online mm-hmm. started 2006. So yeah. the concept of using uh, technology connect people to people. Yeah. And uh, and that was actually inspired by the pro wrestling website. <laughs> and that was the inspiration yeah. for Church Online. Yeah. And then um, and then later that year in October of 2006 was the in the O'Hare Airport was me just processing. I wonder if there's a way we could use technology to help me read the Bible more consistently and right. more effectively. Because mm-hmm. um, I was a below average Bible reader, embarrassingly, <laughs> right. and uh, but yet desired not to be. Mm. And so there in the long security line at the airport, um, October of 2006 was where the initial idea for Uversion came. Mm. And um, I'm, you know, an activator, so I have ideas, but I also like to move pretty quickly. Okay. So I was like, what's a good name for this? And I ha- the original concept is a very specific idea around um, allowing creatives or people that had any type of web media, a YouTube video, a photo, mm-hmm. to associate that with any portion of scripture that was on a, right. web, a website, yeah, basically, right. is what the original idea was. And so between um, the airport security line and the gate that day, I started thinking of names, mm-hmm. you know, for it. Right. And the, the, one of the names, there's several, one of the names was version, uh-huh. and um, it's not a particularly good name. Uh, <laughs> in fact, there's a lot of things that are wrong with it. 
but it was just the best of the names I came up with that day right. going to the gate. And yeah. because I'm an activator, I registered the domain, domain name, name. uversion.com yeah. at the gate that right. day at the uh -huh. airport. And so that was what led to the original uh, name. And then, of course, we, again, had no idea what we were getting into, mm. no idea what the challenges would be, no idea what God was going to do with it. Mm. Um, and, but it it ultimately was one of those ideas that we did do because we yeah. have several we don't. Okay. Um, and we did it in 2007 as a website and then 2008 as an app after the website failed. And we had to kind of learn from what didn't work, decide mm. whether we were going to do anything else or, or, or just move on. Mm -hmm. And that led us to try it on mobile device, which led us to the mm. app. Um, and it was in the very first 200 free apps the day that the App Store launched. Yeah. And it sounds like you downloaded it possibly on that did, day yeah. <laughs> um, in July of 2008. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and from that day to now, um, can you talk to us about some of the growth, some of what you've yeah. seen? So the very first weekend, we saw 83,000 people installed on their phones, and it blew our minds. I mean, we just had no idea. That was like a number that was staggering to us. Yeah. Um, today, you know, it's well over 400 million devices and growing by about 5 million devices per month right now. Wow. Uh, and it's, it's very global. Obviously, it started in English because that's the language we spoke. Mm -hmm. We were quickly trying to get it get the app translated and mm -hmm. get Bibles licensed and all these other languages. So today we have the Bible in over 1,300 languages. Mm -hmm. um, the app itself is in over 60 uh, languages. So if you open your phone to and it's set to Arabic, um, everything in the Bible we'll app is Arabic. right to left. It's wow. all in Arabic. Yeah, wow. All of our communication will come to you in Arabic. Their daily reading plans and Bible plans you would see would all be in Arabic. Um, and we want the experience, no matter who uses it, to feel like it was designed from the ground up completely for them. Mm. Like it's not um, some American app that's mm -hmm. been translated, um, you know, but wow. rather it's a, a great experience. So the big emphasis on quality from the very beginning, it was always going to be free, but it was never going to be cheap. Mm -hmm. uh, and we wanted... The, everything from the way we serve people, um, support, all that kind of stuff to do it. So God's just kind of, we had we had a pretty strong vision for it at the beginning, not an understanding of what was going to happen. Right. Um, I wish I could say we had the faith to, to believe it was going to be huge. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those things where sort of step by step, God's brought every resource, every person, every partner. Uh -huh. um, and it's, you know, none of that happens overnight, but it, it sometimes it feels like it when you look back right. on it and realize yeah. all that he's done. Yeah. So obviously, obviously God's done it. He, right. You put on the app store and, the, and hundreds of thousands, millions of people have downloaded it. Right. And, and there's no explanation about that God did that. But I wonder as well alongside that about the work that it's taken oh. to support what he was doing because you had a commitment to excellence and to doing something well. Sure. But that doesn't just happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that the there's kind of a, a bit of a misnomer that some people have that's like, well, if it's all up to God, then it should be easy. Right. <laughs> you know, And it's like, yeah, God did it and it was hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really hard. Right. Um we have no illusion that the hard work and hard effort that our team put in and still puts in mm. um, is is only seeing the results that it sees because God is doing what He does. Mm. So there's no illusion to that. Right. But at the same time, 
um, we're motivated. And we the, the phrase that I use with the team is that uh, it's a phrase that I just feel like God gave me a while back. It says, we don't take it lightly and we don't hold it tightly. Yeah, um, It's significant and we feel the stewardship, mm-hmm. the responsibility to do well, mm-hmm. you know, with what God's entrusted us mm-hmm. with, which means we show up. Yeah. We work, we bring our best. Uh-huh. We work really hard. Um, we, in many cases, probably work too hard and have to manage our energy level a little bit because right. we have some team members that we kind of kind of pull back a little bit just for sustainability. Yeah. Um, and but at the same time, it's not ours; mm. it's his. So that sense of ownership is really more of a sense of stewardship, mm-hmm. and. Um, and so we don't ever want to grasp a hold of it in such a way mm-hmm. that just says, "Look, God can choose what He do, do what He wants to do with this." Um, we're grateful that He's chosen to do what He's done and allowed us to be a part of it. Yeah. He could choose someone else. He could choose uh, to do it a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what He's choosing to do. We can't explain it. Don't know why. Don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Are humble in that regard by by what He's already done. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, He's chosen us to to steward it. So mm. we've got to step up and do that and work hard. So the team works really, really hard. I think that's one of the things that is such a, um, probably not understood on the outside, which is okay, because we don't want anyone to feel this when mm. they use the app. Yeah. But um, most people think like, okay, I've had multiple times people say, okay, so you built the app, now what's next? Right. You know, I'm like, what's next? <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah, we're in, maintaining it. Yeah. Like it there's and, more, there's yeah. a, first of all, there's a huge vision for the direction of the app. It's yes. not a static thing. It never has been. Uh-huh. Much of what you use today, none of that existed when the app launched except for a Bible text. And there was just right. a limited uh, set of versions. Um, and so it takes a large full-time team to just develop and keep it running. Mm-hmm. And then the vision to expand it's pretty significant, yeah. and then we have over a thousand volunteers that work on new version as wow. well. So, so it's really um, it takes a significant amount of time and resource and energy, and the team works extremely hard to do it. Mm. Um, they're never satisfied, <laughs> with, <laughs> with, and, and I'm, I'm probably the worst at never being satisfied. But nonetheless, um, it's definitely uh, definitely hard work, and we put our best effort for yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. I figure. Um, we should probably, call, you know, call it a day. It's been great talking to you. But can I ask just one last question? Huh. If you were, you know, the audience that we're talking to is creatives. They're, they're generally, you know, in the church, but not necessarily employed on church. If you were talking to them and encouraging them about their journey um, based on, on, you know, what God's done in your life, what would you say? I'd say a couple of things. I mean, one... Um, you know, I just I think sometimes people get um, a little bit too hung up trying to understand the destination, yeah. trying to have a picture painted of what the future is going to look like in ten years or twenty years, mm-hmm. or the life I want to have, or the job or the position I want to be in. Or it'd be great if God would use me that way. Mm-hmm. Could God just give me a picture of what that'll look like? Um, and what I've found, as you've even maybe heard in my story, is that it's always been about obedience, kind of immediate and Mm -hmm. consistent obedience to what God's calling you to in the moment today. Um, And that for me, it's been a step-by-step process. If the 20-year-old version of me would have had any picture Mm -hmm. of what I do today or what I've gotten to be a part of Mm -hmm. or the experience I had, the 20-year-old version of me would have messed it all up. (laughs) That 20-year-old version would have wanted to cut the corners, Uh would have wanted to just sort of jump to the end, Mm 
um, would have tried to get there fast, would have probably made bad decisions, would not have appreciated the fact that it was the journey that actually shaped that, you know, mm-hmm. process for me. And so just kind of encouraging people that might not yet see kind of the fruit of mm-hmm. the things that they've been investing in to realize that 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 sort of for me was a step-by-step process that couldn't be seen mm-hmm. you know in advance yeah um, but to, to be encouraged and take those steps of faith to it yeah. and then a, a completely different thought that I give to all the creatives that work for um, our, our team which I think everybody's creative just in large part but I try to frame this specifically for people that deal with that are artists that deal with um, creating art, or in my case, like I said, ideas are mm-hmm. kind of the fruit. I give this analogy of a tree, mm-hmm. and in this analogy, um, we're the tree. I'm the tree, you're the tree, and God designed me to produce fruit. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'll just say that the fruit are ideas. Um, for someone else, it might be visual art or yeah. music mm-hmm. or or a combination or whatever. You right. get the idea. Um, but because uh, I have an abundance mindset it reframes a little bit of how I see myself mm-hmm. and what this and how this analogy plays out. And that some of the fruit on the tree looks great, tastes amazing. Um, some of the tree, the fruit on the tree has some defects to mm-hmm. it. Doesn't look good on this side, might look good on this side. Mm-hmm. Some falls to the ground and rots. Some falls to the ground and plants an orchard. Some gets consumed, appreciated, viewed, looked at. Some gets ignored. It sits inside the tree. You don't always see it. But because I believe in an abundant God Mm. who designed me, I realized that he designed me to produce fruit and I'll produce more. Mm -hmm. And there's more where that came from. Mm. And that thinking does a couple of things. One is it, it frees up the way that I see my identity. My identity, I'm the tree, not the fruit. Mm-hmm. When my right. identity is wrapped up into the fruit, right. then my ability to receive feedback, my ability to have anything critical mm-hmm. possibly said, my ability for this piece of fruit to go unnoticed and me not to be offended, mm-hmm. or this piece of fruit to fall to the ground and rot and yeah. not, and you know, it it's really difficult for me to separate those things because my identity is in the wrong place, yeah. you know? And knowing that God designed me to produce more, I don't have this scarcity mindset around what I produce. Mm-hmm. It's not like this is the best piece of fruit I'll ever produce. I'll never have a better one. I'll never whatever, right. whatever. You know, it's like that's yeah. sort of denying who God is mm. and the way God works. Mm. And and the freedom on the other side of that for creatives mm-hmm. to just say, look, I want to I want to share this. Yeah. I want people to experience it. And it's okay if if it doesn't if I'm not sure if it'll be maximized to its fullest potential because I don't have to worry about that because I know that God actually will produce more. I'm just getting yeah. warmed up. Yeah, you know, great. like there'll be more with that. And I can't always see it. I don't know which branch it'll produce from. I don't know. Mm. And, you know I'm saying, you know, mm-hmm. and so the picture of that, I try to really share with our mm. um, creators because it's like a freeing thing yeah. <laughs> to really think helpful. about their art in a different way. Yeah. And it means they can just get on with just being themselves, creating fruit, exactly. doing their art, and, whatever And trusting it is. God, you yeah. know, that he's going to do more, right. you know. Yeah. And, and, and he's going to uh, utilize it how he wishes. Exactly. And, yeah. he, and he designed them and he, and, and he knows mm. what sits in each piece of, each, each, each piece of fruit. He, yeah. he, he knows everything about it. So I don't get hung up worried about whether people say, are you going to come up with another or bigger idea than you version? What if you never do? Mm. And it's like, I, that's not really my responsibility, right. you know. 
know, it's not what I'm worried. I don't spend energy worried about mm, that. Yeah. I just try to rec- do what God created me to do, trust him to do what he does with it. Yeah. Um, it's it's not, doesn't lack um, effort and work and all yeah. the things like we talked about that go into it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, it's really trusting who God created me to be. Yeah. Hey, well, thank you so much for firstly sharing on the podcast, but for your consistency and sticking at it and taking all of those rabbit warrens of a life that God has allowed you to take, because it's encouraging. I think a lot of people who will be listening will um, find themselves in those different places because life is not predictable. God opens doors that you're not expecting. And so to know that He has you, even though it's unpredictable, is really encouraging. So thanks for your input. Oh, thank you, Rich. Yeah, it's great. My pleasure. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope that it, hope that it's really useful to you. If the podcast is useful and helpful to you, if you're enjoying it, then I'd love to invite you to share it on social media or maybe to text it, you know, share a link with a friend. Uh, if you tag Hillsong Creative at Hillsong Creative, uh, maybe we'll repost you, I don't know. <laughs> and if, you, uh, if you're not yet subscribed, let me just take this opportunity to Uh, invite you to do that as well you'll get notified of new episodes whenever they're released also if you haven't heard we've launched a brand new podcast called the praying through the bible with hillsong creative it's designed to help you get more out of the word of god in your daily life so i'd encourage you to search hillsong creative or praying through the bible subscribe to that one too and of course obviously rate it and let us know how you're enjoying that one too well thanks again for being part of us and with us on the journey and we'll talk to you next time